thank you for uh, deciding to participate with us today. Particularly, I want to thank those of you who are online and have decided to stay with us. Because I know how easy it is to click on to something else. So, you know, people who are in this room, it's a little hard for them to get up and leave without people noticing. I mean, they could, but we would notice. Then there would be questions. You're online. You click on it. There are no questions. Nah, don't be tempted. Hey, uh, we've been talking about the Apostles' Creed. It opens with these words, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So this week I've had this little song that I learned in Sunday school many, many, well, it seems like many years ago to me. Um, let's talk about Jesus. Uh, it's been in my, running through my mind. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus, but before we do, I want us to take a moment, a few moments, not very many, because I'm going to do it fast, There's a, uh, to review the overarching story that unites the message of the Bible. There really is a, a, an overarching plot that goes from the very beginning, well, nearly the beginning, from the third chapter of the first book in Genesis all the way to the very last verse in the book of Revelation. There's an overarching story. And like all story, the biblical narrative starts at the beginning, Genesis chapter 3. Here's a short recap. God's Genesis 1 and 2, God made everything. It's good. It's exactly the way he wants it. He put Adam and Eve, our first parents, in a wonderful place. Actually, we, we've heard of it, it's called the Garden of Eden, which we probably don't remember, many of us have not heard, is that Eden means pleasure. It's the Garden of Pleasure. It is a great place to live. And then we get to Genesis chapter 3, and... A serpent shows up. I don't, what is the serpent? We can spend, a, there's been a, whole books written about the serpent. We're not going to go there. All we know is the serpent shows up and the serpent acts. The serpent does stuff. First thing the serpent does is deceive Adam and Eve about God, about who we can be as human beings and what it the cost of rebellion against God really is. He deceives them. But the biggest deception is about who God is. And because they believe this lie about God in particular, they began to have distrust toward God, and they disobey God's single command, the only command he'd given them, don't eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, division and broken relationships come into the world. Their relationship with God 
was broken. Their relationship with each other started to break down. Uh, it started with, Adam, what have you done? Well, it's not my fault. She gave it to me. The blame game. And she said, well, it's not me. My fault. The devil made me do it. The blame game kept going. Um, the Apostle Paul, in his, in his letter to the book of uh, the, the church in Rome, summed it up this way. Uh, the entire human race has been doing this ever since. They've passed on to us the mess they made, and we've just made it worse. And Paul put it this way, since they, slash we, thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he, God, abandoned them to their foolish thinking, and uh, abandoned us to our foolish thinking, and let us do things that should never be done. Now, for those of you who might be thinking, Oh, I know what he's talking about there when he talks about those things and he shouldn't be done. If you go to read verse 29, one of the first things he talks about is disobeying parents. Probably not what you were thinking about. Oops. So here, this is... Uh, Some of you have never seen Laurel and Hardy. I, I'm not going to. But every once in a while, if you haven't, you got to Google Laurel and Hardy because they're just hilarious. They were back and all. Back long before there were color TV, some many uh, color movies. Some of their stuff was before there was sound. But there was a line that was frequently spoken. Well, it's a fine mess you've gotten us into. It's another fine mess you've gotten us into. So that's the way the Bible starts, folks. That's the way the story of humanity starts. This is another fine mess. We've made a mighty fine mess of this planet. There's kind of an unspoken question at the end of Genesis chapter 3. As God expels Adam and Eve from the garden of pleasure into the cold, harsh world where things are not going to be easy, where death and sickness reign, where work is going to be hard and where results are going to be difficult and everything because of the choices they made and are going to continue to make. There's an unspoken question is, what's God going to do? His good creation has been messed up by his people. What's God's solution? the problem of humanity's rebellion. You don't have to wait very long because by Genesis chapter 12 we've already find the answer. God begins to act. God, and God is still acting. He acts to correct the lies and win back our trust. We started with a man named Abraham in particular and uh, we're going to be looking at a passage from the book of Hebrews. 
it's found in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. Um, we're going to be looking at the first five verses in the first chapter. These are the opening lines where the author of Hebrews gives us a summary of what God's doing or has done. Now, this is kind of like I said it was an overarching thing, so there's the mess, the problem that was created, and God's acting, and we're kind of at the, we're kind of like halfway through the story here. I'm just going to give you a quick teaser about the end. At the end, God recreates and restores everything. He fixes us. He fixes this planet. He fixes all creation. He makes it back. We're on the way to that. When is that going to happen? Someday's not soon enough. But some days are, you know, we want them to wait just a little bit longer because we have folks that we need to figure stuff out. We're praying for them to, to get on board. So right now we're, we're, we're toward the middle. And listen to what the author of Hebrews says. In the past, God spoke through the prophets. So he's talking about God spoke to our people, Abraham and his descendants. God spoke to our people through the prophets. He spoke in many times. He spoke in different ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. He, the son, is the one whom God appointed to receive all things. God also made everything through him. The son is the shining brightness of God's glory. He is the exact likeness of God's being. He uses his powerful word to hold all things together. He provided the way for people to be made pure from their sin, their rebellion. When he sat, then he sat down at the right hand of the king, the majesty in heaven. So he became higher than the angels. The name he received is more excellent than theirs. God never said to any of the angels, you are my son. Today I've become your father or I will be his father. He will be my son. Son. So let me give you my one sentence. It's a long sentence, but it is my one sentence summary of this text. And my defense of it being a long sentence is that when the author of Hebrews originally wrote the first four verses, those first four verses were one sentence. In English, we couldn't handle that. That's why if you look at your translations, it's multiple sentences. But originally, it was one long sentence. My sentence isn't quite that long. Um, God, the message sender, became both the messenger and the message by connecting with us through the Son, Jesus. Remember, God acted to reveal the truth about himself so that we could begin to trust him. He wanted to restore that relationship of trust that was broken by the lies that the serpent told that Adam and Eve and all of the humanity have been believing ever since about who God is and about therefore who we are, etc. 
And so God had been sending messages through his prophets, but it's now the message sender has become both the messenger and the message by connecting to us through Jesus, his son. Jesus is the only one who brings the truth and nothing but the truth about God to us. Jesus alone empowers us to enter into God's holy presence, to know what God is like. When you see Jesus, you see God. And I, I'm just going to put this out there right now. I'm just going to ask this question. If you can't trust Jesus... Go back and read the story about who he is. Go read the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Keep reading them about who he is and how he treats people and ask yourself the question, can I trust this person? That's the only question you need to ask. Man, I can stop right there. But I've got so much more I want to share. But that's a good question. You can't trust Jesus. Who can you trust? By the way, here's the sermon in a sentence. God is Jesus, so Jesus is greater than everyone and everything. That's what the author of Hebrews is going to take the rest of his, the, the book, the Tullith, uh, his, us and his, his original readers, but it's what he's launching right here at the very beginning. God is Jesus, so Jesus is greater than everyone and everything. So let's let's go through the list of things that he he points out about Jesus. That to point out that he that that God is Jesus, which is what makes him the greatest. Jesus is the greatest one because God's message belongs to him. In the past, God spoke through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But their messages, the prophets' messages about God and his plans were beautiful, and each of them were unique because each of the prophets were, were unique individuals, but they were fragmented and they were limited. They were, they were God's friends, and they delivered his message as best they could, but There was only so far that they could go. They were connected, but they weren't as close as a son. So even though the prophets had, had brought the, God's message, in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus reveals who God is to us by being himself. Because God is Jesus. He is more than a friend of God. He is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. He is simply, he simply is the message. Want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. 
And if you can't trust Jesus, I'm going to come back to that question. If you can't trust Jesus, you need to read a little bit more about him. Go back and look at his story. You cannot trust this Jesus. Ask me some questions because I want to talk. Let's talk about Jesus. Second thing about the, he is he is the greatest one because God's glory belongs to him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is not some measly reflection of God's glory. He's not like the fullest, brightest moon that we've ever seen. You know, the, the light of the moon is a reflection of the sun. Now, Jesus is like the sun releasing God's glory right straight into the world. Because He's not reflecting God's glory. He's shining God's glory because God's glory is his. Now, I want you to pause with me for a moment to realize what kind of glory Jesus radiates. Jesus does not radiate glory that shatters and slaves or overwhelms us. Jesus reveals God's glory by suffering and serving, sacrificing, and loving. The cross is the shape of God's glory. is the shape of his love. God's glory is suffering and serving and sacrificing and loving. You can't trust him. You can't trust Jesus. Jesus is the greatest because God's kingdom belongs to him. Jesus, the heir of all things, and is seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He is reigning with God. They share the throne. We say they. This is complicated. I think I've, we've talked about the Trinity a couple of times. The Trinity, there, there, there's one God, three persons. So we can say they. But don't get confused. We're not talking about three gods. We're talking about one God, three persons. And when we say they share the throne, we're not talking about two different gods sitting on the same throne. We're talking about one God sitting on the throne, three persons. If you're starting to get dizzy, it's okay because you're not intended to be able to figure this out. If it, would, if it could fit inside our heads, it probably wouldn't be a true picture of who he is. Jesus reveals he's reigning with God. They shared the throne of heaven because God's kingdom belongs to him. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. We sang it this morning. You have no rival. You have no equal. Why? Because even God the Father 
is a derival they're the same they're different persons they're just same gene I don't know I'm going to stop there because I'm starting to get confused and dizzy and I don't want to fall off my stool um, fourth thing Jesus is the greatest one because God's creative acts all of God's creative acts belong to him God made the universe through his son. Very opening words of the Bible, very opening words of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was the son who was actively involved there. John, the apostle, says God created everything through him, through Jesus, the word, and nothing was created except through him. Everything created through the Son. This is one of the things. One of the, there's one God, three persons, and when you have one of them, they're all there. They all show up together. They all work together. Jesus is the greatest one because God's maintaining, sustaining power belongs to him. Jesus is sustaining, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The same voice, the same words that created the universe. He said, let there be, and there was, are the ones that the words and the ones maintaining it. God the Son is behind every force that unifies the universe. From atoms to animals and plants to planets, stars, and galaxies. The ones we can see, the ones we found, and the ones beyond our scopes, literally. He's the one that unites. He is the greatest one because God's saving work belongs to him. Jesus provided purification for sins, for our rebellion. He's the one who brings healing and restoration. He became our great high priest and our final sacrifice. Nothing more needs to be done to make us right with God. I want to underline that statement. Nothing more needs to be done to make us right with God. Nothing. The Apostle Paul put it this way, if you open, openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you will be restored. You will be Purified, you will be healed, you will be made right. So he said, can it really be that simple? Where Wesleyan Church, some people wonder where's Wesleyan come from. We're named after a guy named a guy named John Wesley, who was an Anglican preacher in the 1700s in England, who caused all kinds of problems because, well, that's a whole other story. But he was an evangelist, like he preached everywhere. One day he was preaching down inside a coal mine. And when he was done, he turned around to the workers and said, so how do I get out of here? And they said, you go over there and you pull on that string, it'll ring a bell upstairs and you stand in that little box and they'll pull you up. And he goes, no, 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 that's too simple. Uh, how do I climb out of here? 
And they said, no, 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 you just ring that bell and they'll pull you up. They go, no, I have to, surely I have to work and climb my way out of here. And they said, no, you don't. And he goes, so for all of you guys who've been thinking, you've got to clean up your lives and work your way out of the sin mess you're in. Jesus is just saying, come over and ring the bell and I'll pull you out. Yeah, it's that simple. The whole gospel comes down to these two truths. Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. That's it. I mean, there's obviously a whole lot more that can be said, but that's enough. That's the gospel. Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. It's not magic. That's my one of my favorite authors says they are not magic words, they are profoundly, however, profoundly miraculous words. They carry the weight and essence of salvation, which is the deep restoration of the human race and the healing of all creation. Those two statements. Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead. Last, definitely not least, Jesus is the greatest one because he has God's ear. After his death and resurrection, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the, of the majesty in heaven. In addition to ruling God's kingdom, I think it's fair to ask what else is God, what else is Jesus doing on the throne? A few chapters later, in this very book, the author tells us, Jesus always lives to intercede for those who come to God through him. Intercede to pray for. That means Jesus is talking to the king of the universe about you right now. He's leaning over whispering into God's ear. Now, before you panic, because some of us might panic about what he might be whispering, he's not speaking as your judge. He is not speaking as a prosecuting attorney pointing out all your flaws and failures. Jesus is turning to, the God, to God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, asking him to intervene on your behalf. Jesus is praying that the Lord will bless you and flood your life with heaven's favor. God is Jesus. So Jesus is greater than everyone and everything. And I'm about to step on some toes. I'm just going to warn those of you who have coexist bumper stickers on your license, on your bumpers. I love you. And I have not any desire to see any religious persecution happening. But I, like every other member of every other religion in the world, 
personally believe that mine's the best. We can coexist. Just want you guys to know that. And we can love each other. We don't have to hurt each other. But I'm about to say what I believe. You don't have to agree with me. This is, well, where I live, this is America. Y'all have a right to your opinions. But this is what I believe. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Buddha. Jesus is greater than Muhammad. Jesus is greater than all the apostles. Jesus is greater than all the saints. Jesus is greater than all the gurus. Jesus is greater than all the shamans and all the prophets of every religion the world has ever known or ever will know. Jesus is greater than all the angels of heaven and all the demons of hell and every being that competes for human allegiance and adoration. Jesus is greater than everyone and everything, period. Because Jesus is God. Author and speaker Jill Briscoe used to live in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. And uh, she described her visit to Croatia during the war there in the 1990s. It was the 1900s, but it was like the 1990s. And she wrote about this. She said, I was asked to speak at, to a church gathering for about 200 refugees. Um, she said, most of the refugees in that area were women because the men were either off fighting or were uh, dead because they'd been fighting or been killed. This group of Muslims had fled to a Christian school on a border, um, a little battered town. The church had escaped because it was surrounded by apartment buildings and the artillery couldn't hit it. They tried, but they couldn't. So it was a safe place for the refugees to gather. She said, we worked all day visiting with the refugees, and at night the service was held in this huge old church. And she says, I, I was told I had to speak. I had no idea what to say. I put all my notes away and prayed. And then she said, I told them about Jesus, who as a baby became a refugee. Is he was hunted by soldiers and his parents had to flee to Egypt at night, leaving everything behind. And I could tell they were beginning to listen. I kept praying like crazy. She goes on to say, I continued telling them about Jesus' life. And when I got to the cross, I said, he hung there naked. Not like the pictures. They knew what that meant. Some of them had been stripped naked and tortured. At the end of the message, as all these things have happened to you, you are homeless, you have had to flee, you have suffered unjustly, but you didn't have a choice. He had a choice. 
He knew all of this would happen to him, but he still came. And then she told him why. He loves you. Many of these Muslim refugees just knelt down, put their hands up, and wept. She concluded by telling them, he's the suffering God. You can give your pain to him. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. So Jesus is greater than everyone and everything. Jesus is the ultimate expression of who God is. Jesus is the truth about God. You can't trust Jesus. Who can you trust? So my question is, what are you doing with Jesus? How do you relate to him? Do you trust Jesus? A little? A lot? Completely? Is Jesus the pivot point of your life story? Is, is Jesus the pivot point of your relationship with God? Jesus is greater than everyone and everything. He, Jesus is not one of many similar, equal religious options for you, for you to choose from. Jesus is the only suffering God who chose to come for you. His love for you is the shape of the cross. He has no rivals and no equals. He invites you to embrace God's work in your life. The Spirit invites you to declare, Jesus is my King. Hold on to the reality of what God did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. And I'll change everything. Jesus is my King. God raised him from the dead transform everything but simply keep trusting Jesus with all your being that's it I invite you to pray with me feel free to use my words or compose your own prayer but let's let's pray Jesus you are Lord and King. God raised you on a Sunday morning. You are worthy to receive our trust. We believe you. us overcome our doubts and questions. We've all wandered off and struggled with the tendency to wander off, 
do our own thing. But today, we return to you. Forgive us. Heal us, restore us, and fill us with your Spirit's love. So if you declared uh, your faith in Jesus as we prayed, or if you have questions about trusting him, I invite you to let me know. If you're online, uh, you can connect, contact me through the message button on the church's Facebook page. If you're here on site, you can let me know as you leave or some other way if you choose. Well, as you know, we are people who are sent. This is my prayer as we go. Lord God Almighty, lift up, help us to live this week to the full, being true to you in every way. King Jesus, help us to give ourselves away to others, being kind to everyone we meet. Holy Spirit, help us to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all we do and say. Amen. You are sent as Jesus loves you, love those you meet. Go in the power of God's Holy Spirit.